can't imagine the shop without Danielle. I certainly can't imagine it being the same wonderful, inspiring place it's been for all of us over the past ten months. She's one of those people that makes you feel at home as soon as you meet her. It comes by her so naturally and honestly. Her answer to my question of what she would make if she had no economic or environmental constraints just blew me away. Danielle would make a community, a nurturing and supportive community where people could live and create art. That answer never even occurred to me. And it just shows how unique and genuinely caring Danielle is. I also have a hunch that creating a place for other people to create art is itself the ultimate form of artistic expression. What I hear Danielle saying is she wants to make templates, jigs, and fixtures to support and expedite creativity. Who is the greater artist? The woman who can make a beautiful table? Or the woman who can help 1,000 people make 1,000 beautiful tables? I don't know if Danielle realizes how much she has in common with Sandra. She's an amazing woodworker, yes, but her desire and ability to change other people's lives by helping usher their art into the world is equally amazing. The world needs more of that. Here's my interview with Danielle Roberts. Danielle. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me. That's my pleasure. So you've heard a couple of these, so you kind of know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, Start, if you would, by describing your background, professional, artistic, before you join Fine Furniture. Um. I have done most every job. I think like the when I was working, the last place I was working was like a local lumber yard slash mill slash shop place in Nanaimo. And I believe that that was my 47th job. <laughs> a lot of service industry. I was a flight attendant for nine years. Um, pubs, clubs, restaurants, cafes, lifeguard gyms was the sawmill your first working job yeah it was how how and why did you get into that uh well so covid happened and i when covid happened i was a flight attendant and then uh i needed i wanted to we were renovating our house and i wanted to make cool things for my house but wood got really expensive and i didn't i couldn't really i didn't have a job so i put a thingy out on facebook marketplace being like yo if anyone's doing renovation has extra like two by fours, let a girl know, and I'll come grab them from you, even if they're just off cuts. I, I, um, I'm just wanting to learn. So was trying to be self-taught. And then, um, when a, a buddy of mine got back to me and he's like, I work at this crazy lumber yard that's got so much shit kicking around. If you want to come on by and just pick at our, at our off cuts. And so at that time I got really into like high figured Western maple because there was just off cuts of this beautiful Western maple everywhere but you clearly have some artistic background before yeah this. yeah i'm just i'm just crafty my mom is super crafty i'm super crafty just yeah and we both have like a really hard time staying still you're gonna have to edit out my foot tapping <laughs> i apologize nah yeah. it's color commentary yeah. what kind of crafts does your mom do my mom is like a leslie sewing and fiber art she's got a big giant loom in the house she weaves um 
She actually made me a sheet of like a beautiful herringbone pattern for my chair, but it was just too small. I can't really stick it in. So I might make a little pillow out of it or something for the chair, but it's just like 19 by 19. So it won't do much for my giant throne of a chair. Did she teach you how to I do these crafts? I didn't really want to learn sewing and knitting. Knitting's the, like you just sit still and move your fingers. <laughs> like it's, I can imagine that it is wonderful, but it is not for me. What about your dad? Dad's not super crafty or anything. He does like to brag about how crafty mom and I are, though. So, but he he's a watcher. Any siblings? My big brother, also not very crafty. No. Nope. No, big pilot, cut and dry human. Got it. Yeah. So why did you enroll in fine furniture? You could have done a lot of things after COVID, after being a, a flight attendant. Why fine furniture? Well, that shop that I was working at, the Lumberyard, um, the gentleman who owned it just kind of left us there. And then the other guy who called me there eventually when I needed those the, the wood, he left too. So it was just me there. And so people would come in and they'd be like, I want a mantle. I want a table. Um, and I was just like way over my head. Like I, I would say yes. And I would try really hard to learn and do a good job but i'm like this so they is wanted a- you to make them these yeah things. yeah so you we did kind of just everything at this place and uh so there was a few situations like i made a 10-foot western maple table just the top and it got it nice and good and didn't really do any leg situations because the gentleman who who had it but i had to put the bow ties in and get the wood stable and put the sea channels in the bottom and whatever have you. So the slab would become stable. I didn't know anything. Like I'd been a woodworker. At well, a- how'd you know how to do all that? YouTube. And like talking to the old boys who come into the shop and whatever have you, like just, just struggling really. How and did- so I, this program, I was like, I, I have the opportunity to learn way more and I really enjoy it. And I want to learn. How did the old boys react to the, young woman at the shop most were adorable one guy came in and he was just like i don't know 185 years old like he's <laughs> ancient and he's like five foot four and he just comes wandering through the front doors and uh, i'm like hey man can i help you and he's like nope i was just told to come and get a look at you <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> then he just turned around and left like two minutes later after watching me saw something <laughs> okay but yeah, the old boys are pretty great. One of my favorite. He's I mill with him still often. He's like seventy six, and he's wonderful. Do you find it at all challenging to be a woman in this world of of trade and woodworking and you know traditional male dominated pursuits? I don't think I have enough experience in it to know. Um, there was a few situations like I've had a I've had a gentleman take a saw out of my hand and tell me I shouldn't be using it like a. It was a, it's a 16 inch skill saw too. The thing's enormous. And he stopped me from cutting a slab. It came and interfered with the cut to remove it from me, which was way more dangerous than a woman cutting a slab. But that's like, besides a few comments and like that guy, that's really it. So I don't find it too challenging to be a woman, but I also am quite seasoned to men. Mm -hmm. I don't struggle with them. Why did you choose wood? to focus your studies on as opposed to metalworking or some other medium? Oh, it smells so nice. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean it smells nice? What do you, what do you mean by nice? No, oh, it just smells earthy and wonderful and, and warm. I, um, my first 
post-secondary education was in forestry and ecosystem technology. So uh, I tend, I, I know a bit about wood and my dad's best friend ran a sawmill for years. Like wood's just a part of, part of, part of my life, I think. And it just smells nice and it feels nice. It's warm. It's inviting. There's never anything cold about it. All of our Western woods are nice and light and not so much the tropicals, but our Western woods are just really inviting, I find. What's your favorite wood? I love cedar. Why? It's just so light and it smells amazing and yeah. it's great to mill and it does everything and it's waterproof. Like we use it for everything, so. What do you think about the pipe trades? I think they're so necessary. And I don't know what you guys have on this whole. Hey, pipe I'm just thing. I just report. I just nope. report the news. Yeah, I don't that's make totally it. Totally fair. Totally fair. No pipe trades are well, and also let me tell you. So we went to that awards ceremony uh, a couple weeks ago or whatever. Congratulations, oh, by the way. Thank you. I'm going to stop you actually. Yes. So tell us why you were at the awards ceremony. Because I won a couple awards. What awards did you win? I won the Columbia Industrials Finishing Award. Um, for my finishing sample uh, uh, giant project that I did and took on, and then also all the other weird little finishing things I've done, the the cherry blossom cabinet and all the little things that caught Sandra's eye, I think helped with that. And the other one was the Victoria Truth Center uh, Award, and it was for women in trades so that was a camosun wide award and it was for women in trades who demonstrated excellent teamwork and abilities to do things and uh, camaraderie and good disposition and just overall being a good human and good woman in trades how did it feel to get those awards super really really wonderful have you ever gotten awards before yeah so you're used to it. I'm, yeah. I'm not used to it by any stretch of the I actually... Yeah, won. no big deal. I, I, um, when I first moved to Vancouver Island, I worked at this coffee shop in Shamanus, and I won like... The, best barista? No, best employee in Shamanus. Oh, wow. And it was like a big Shamanus Legion town-wide event at the Shamanus Theater. And I was, got a plaque. And I don't know, man. <laughs> so you are on your way to the awards ceremony. Interrupted you. Uh, yeah. And well while I was at the awards ceremony, Pipe Trades was the first um the first group of people to present their awards. And it's huge. Pipe trades is so big. Mm -hmm. There's so there's so much that is involved in that field. And the majority of the winners of all of the Pipe Trades Awards were women. So I mean, kudos to that. That's wonderful. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. If women are doing a good job at pipe trades, then I think they're super necessary. Uh, there's so many times uh, during this interview that I'm having to restrain myself from our favorite joke, uh, our favorite Michael Scott joke. <laughs> That's what she it's said. It's just very difficult. <laughs> what kind of friendships have you made in this program over the last nine months? I wish bigger ones. But that's okay. What do you I don't mean bigger one. Like everyone is wonderful, and I think we all have like a really common bond of what we're doing. I think everybody here wants to really do well in this and wants to really is really into this. I guess not. Don't really want to do anything with it, but they're all super into it. Mm -hmm. So we share this really common bond, and and like. We've only ever had beers once, and it was like a Christmas party, which I just, I've never gone nine months knowing anybody and not having a beer with most of them. Like, it's crazy to me that way. Why do you think that is, that we socialize so little outside of class? Well, I don't live here. And, and I don't, besides, like, the weekends, I don't know if any of you guys hang out, but the weekends I'm gone back home to Ladysmith, and 
so I don't stay. But I don't know. Everyone's got their own life. Everyone's got yeah. their own thing going on. So we just meet at school and we spend all day together here. And then we split and go our separate ways. We do spend a lot of time together. We do. What has your best experience been in the class so far? And it can be by experience, a lecture, a homework assignment, a project, a day, whatever you want it to be. I had a day in the morning and I had had a really, I had stressed myself out a lot over the weekend about what I'm going to do with my life and whatever have you. Um, and I came in that morning and Sandra Sandra just said something to me that made everything better in a really quick hurry. What did she say? Which basically was just like, you can do anything. But she didn't, she didn't look at me and like see that I was struggling or anything. She just came up and we had a conversation. It was really quick, but it turned into like, she couldn't have said a better thing at a better time. Cause I, I don't even know if I would have lasted the whole day at school that day. Like I was kind of just feeling like I was bad at everything mm -hmm. kind of one of those days where i couldn't pick up something without it crumbling in my hands so um yeah she came in and she said just the right thing at just the right time and and i had a really great day because of that and i cried a bit and i was super grateful and all the things she seems to be sandra seems to be especially good at that oh she's like an empath monster i don't know man she's got a gift what is her gift empath empathy yeah yeah she just kind of sees people i think yeah yeah she knows how to talk to each of us differently which is wonderful yeah yeah what has been your most frustrating or dispiriting relationship just relationship um experience in class it can be a relationship Freaking uh jigs and joinery i i'm dyslexic i can't see it like peter comes up and He'll create this amazing thing full of dovetails and stuff. And, and, and I like, I can't, I can't cut a left to right miter. Mm -hmm. I have to like put my arms up or draw it or, or like actually navigate it. So when people are cutting these, doing these crazy complicated compound things, that's not, that's not for me. They're able to visualize them in their heads. Yeah, yeah. And I can't I, do that either. No, everything just looks like, it looks backwards. Yep, and I have to write it out five or six times. Yeah. Check it eight or nine times. I have colored pencils because I, I find that if I draw colored paths for mm. myself, I do a bit oh, better, smart. but like dovetails, I think I cut 75 dovetails. And then Sandra came over and she was like, these are all backwards. And I'm like, I know, I'm dyslexic, I can't know. <laughs> How did your 76th dovetail go? Oh, you know what? I did a few good ones. <laughs> what part of the curriculum lesson skill has affected you the most? Joinery. Yeah. It's How been, has it affected you? It's been super humbling. Yeah. Like, like you know, I, I've watched enough videos to know that what these people do is impressive, but I didn't know that I couldn't do it. Like, I didn't know that I would struggle so much to cut wood. So it's been super humbling. You don't and, look like you struggle. Well, not like kind of straight lines, fine, but <laughs> it's, uh, I try, I'm, yeah, to cut the complex things is really difficult mm -hmm. on my brain. So it's, it was humbling and, 
And it's nice to know that I can't do it. I'll probably avoid it, but I can do it if I need to. Have you adopted any strategies or shortcuts to make the difficult parts of this class easier on you? Colors is good. That's really smart. Yeah, big, bold lines and colors. I used to not do big lines because I didn't want to sand the big lines off, but Mm. then I'm sanding anyway, so I figured I would just do the big lines. Yeah, and it's made a difference? Yeah, it has. Has the class changed you at all? Oh, no. I don't think so, bud. No. I'm... I, I I I feel like I know way less than when I started. So Wait, if, know less. Oh, I feel like I know way. Is less. that because you've just been exposed to so much more? Yeah, than when I started, which I suppose is a good thing, you know. But um, yeah, if anything, I'm less confident in my skills and know way less than I did when I came in here, thinking that I was gonna do just fine. But uh, why is that? I mean, you've won several awards. Your chair is looking good. Why do you feel because there's so like much you have more. fewer skills? There's so there's just so many more. The universe has expanded. Yeah, yeah. And I like I really like to be good at things. I don't like to be bad at things. I hear that. Yeah. How do you cope with being not as good at something as you'd like to be? Because I don't cope very well. With oh that. no, I like cry and struggle and do it again and again and again because I figure with the way that I learn, like with the tactile way, and mm-hmm. you're an academic, I'm not an academic. Um, I I have to really drill something in to get it done, so I'll do it over and over and over again to the point of exhaustion when you're not doing a good job anyways, but I will, I'll try really hard and I'll cry and I'll be frustrated. And, and then I, what happens after all of that? I'll get it. Yeah. If I want to, yeah, I'll figure it out. Does that make it easier the next time, noting that you'll eventually get it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What do form and function mean to you? And has the class changed how you interpret or feel about those concepts? Class has changed how I interpret and feel about those concepts. Form and function. Um, I don't know why aesthetically pleasing isn't a function of something. Hmm. But that's okay. That's just me. Um, the function assignment, the bookends, um, designing two bookends, one being form, one being function. Function being it just does the job. Form being it does the job and it looks good. So my function one was apparently two looks good. <laughs> But I had a really nice, square, flat, heavy rock and a piece of bent wood, and I glued them together. But it still looked too nice. And and I was like, but I, like, I couldn't just do this with any rock and any piece of wood. Anyways, form and function is super necessary, and it's wonderful that it exists, but it's got such a big divide. And if you look at people like Le Corbusier and Eileen Gray, who designed similar things at similar time at a similar time frame um and Eileen Gray's houses were built from like the inside out she built a home to be lived in and Le Corbusier built a home built a machine is what his were so his homes they from the outside they actually looked quite similar but from the inside, an Eileen Gray home had everything well thought out, everything placed perfectly. If there was a like a corner that needed storage, but it was quite small, she would design something that fit just in that spot that was just right for that home. 
the chairs were just right. Everything was great. And Le Corbusier just put blocks in places and, and his homes were really cold. And the tale is, is when he eventually went into Eileen Gray's E1027 home and uh, did a bunch of like lewd graffiti all over the walls and everything like that. Um, and, uh, and, and, and vandalized it. And the rumor is that he was just jealous of how her homes felt over his. He actually did vandalize her house? Yeah, there was a bunch of uh, like lewd surreal art. Um, and he used to paint naked in her home. He used to go because he knew her uh, partner at the time. Mm. So he would go over there after after Eileen had, after Eileen and the partner had broken up, Blake Obasier was friends with the partner and he would go in and he would desecrate her home. And he with felt his... like just taking off all of his clothes while he did it. Yeah. Well, you know what they did back then <laughs> in the art community. <laughs> the art community. <laughs> uh, has this program, speaking of art, changed how you feel about art? Nah. Has it enriched your understanding of it? I've learned a lot about furniture art, yeah. which I didn't know much about. And that's been incredible. The the movements and like, oh, the, God, what was it called? The, the 80s art, the Bowie art, the Bowie furniture. Art Nouveau. Art Nouveau, all of those things that I like, you know, they exist, you know, Art Deco exists, you know, the brutalist stuff exists, you know it all, but you don't, unless you take the time to research why you don't really know. So it was wonderful. But it hasn't changed your tastes or how you look at a piece. Yeah. Why not? I've always kind of been really picky about what I surround mm. myself with. I'm not one for crap. How do you define art? Art... If you feel like you need to make a statement, you create art. And that statement doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be bold. It doesn't have to be big. You just have something that needs that you need to say. So as long as you're saying it. As whatever, long as you're saying it the way you... Whatever format. Exactly. Because like you think about art and you think about like people's interpretation of it's beautiful it's wonderful it's gorgeous i mean van gogh did not agree <laughs> he didn't get any joy out of his art he got very little joy out of his art so why do you say that because he his art used to frustrate him so much but he was so drawn to create it because he had so many things to say you don't think he got enjoyment oh, i'm out sure of it? he did but he also got an immense amount of frustration mm -hmm. so much so that he cut off an ear so william morris says that art is the pleasure people take in their labor. Mm -hmm. Sounds like that might not be your definition. In a perfect world. And I think that more people than not, like there's, there's, I think there's less masochists in the world than there is. <laughs> I don't know about that. Not, but I think more people than not enjoy creating. I don't think many people put themselves through hell day in and day out to create something. I think more people than not definitely enjoy the fruit of their labors. I mean, I think Van Gogh still enjoyed, you know, despite how frustrating it was. Yeah. I think he might have still enjoyed the process at least. I would imagine so. He thinking was about driven his to do it. Yeah. It was nothing he could even help if what I read is accurate. Like he just needed to do it. Can you be that level of an artist without being a little bit crazy? No. Why not? Because oh, if you need to create art, then you're going to do it. Like, think about that guy who's um, 
sketchbooks we saw in term one. Mm -hmm. Sketchbooks are gone, sketchbooks are gone, sketchbooks and doodles and stuff. And his parents have enormous amounts of pieces of paper kicking around, which mm. is stuff on it. And I think those people that are drawn to create art in their medium are just going to do it. Are you drawn to create like that? I'm drawn to play with, yeah. Not to create necessarily, but to play and learn. What's the difference between creating and playing? I don't generally finish things to full completion and have a full vision. But I love the process of learning a lot of things. Do you need to see something to completion in order, in order for it to be art? No. No, in order to capitalize from it, you do, but... So then why are you concerned about seeing things to completion? So you can... So you can live a life seldom. creating art. Yeah. yeah. Is it possible to live a life creating art? Can yes. you be a fully realized artist in 21st century neoliberal capitalist Canada? I think like 30,000 sellers on Etsy would tell you that you can. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely you can. It's it's It's... I think it's probably easier than it's ever been. You don't think that those people to be successful, it's more important that they're business people than artists? No, no, I don't. I think, I think they're artists and I think it's really easy to find business people to support artists now. Where's the line between somebody running a business and somebody promoting their own art? I don't know. Where would it be for you? Ask the question again. So you have these people on Etsy and you have lots of people off Etsy who make a living selling goods to people. Yeah. One might argue that the ones who are the most successful are not really successful necessarily because of the aesthetic quality of their goods. But because they're really good at marketing themselves. Oh, they're God. really good business. Yeah, no, I, I I I can take that both ways. There are some people who are successful because they're amazing. Um and there are some people who are successful because they're good at marketing themselves. There is uh people on YouTube that you can follow as a woodworker that um I was listening to a podcast on Wood Talk a couple of weeks ago and the one oldest gentleman in the podcast who's been a maker forever, his name's Shannon something, um, had said that uh, like he's, he's, he's been around forever and he's got a lot of credibility. Um, so when he talks, he, he feels okay about what he's saying, but then there's other people that are saying things that have, don't have the education to say it. Like people just on, YouTube doing what they do, 24-year-old kids or whatever, telling telling people who want to learn how to properly use a table saw. And who knows if they have the proper knowledge or if they're just super handsome or wearing the right shirts or whatever it is that they're doing, but they're just marketable and good at it and and easy to look at and easy to listen to when you see somebody like that what sort of emotions does it trigger in you uh, anger jealousy resentment kudos envy kudos yeah kudos with a bit of a bit of i hope nobody i hope people are smart enough to fact check what you say like it's work it get get what you need to get if you can if you can take advantage of the system the way it is right now do it 
but don't hurt anybody. Are you going to take advantage of the system the way it is now? No, I doubt it. Why not? I just, I just, I don't have it in me. I don't think. I would love to, but I don't have it in me. <laughs> this takes so much work, first of all. What is the first thing you would make if you had no economic or environmental constraints? You had all the time and money in the world and you didn't have to worry about cutting down an endangered tree. A community. You'd make a community? Yes. Tell me about that. I'd what does that mean? Buy land and I would build a place for people to come and live and create. What kind of people? Anybody here would fit the bill. Anybody in this classroom, just... Yeah, but you can't advertise on the website that no, my community no. is just for fine furniture no. alumni. For, for people who... I guess you could. It's, you could, you could but for people who need a place to go, for people who don't fit anywhere. There's so many... And you could, you create this, oh God, it's going to turn into a shaker community, but like you. <laughs> There's you, worse things. You have, you have a place where humans that don't feel like they can really work, that want to work with their hands, that want to create, they want to garden, they want to build, they want to, uh, they want to do things with the earth and, and don't feel comfortable doing it in the means of a commercial setting mm -hmm. anymore. There are a lot of people that are really talented with their hands and can build, let's say, but they're not comfortable going into a setting of a bunch of sweaty, grunty men mm. and, and running the cabinet shop and listening to them say professional things about politics, you know? <laughs> like there's there's a lot of people that just don't feel comfortable in that environment. And if you had a community that just took the best of everybody and was able to give the opportunities for everybody to be their best, and it was just a safe place and it was just a nice place. And What's the best of you? If you were in that community, what would you give? Time and patience and... Boop. What's the Food. best of you? I mean, I, I, I'm sure you're a very patient person and so and patient. generous, but is time the best of you? Do you have I can skills that are even better? I don't know, man. You don't know? Come no. On. I can create a lot of time and a lot of space for a lot of people and create a lot of situations for people to see each other grow and glow. But I don't. Why is it important for you to create that for other people as opposed to just creating something for yourself? Because I'm best when I'm around other people. Fundamentally social. I'm fundamentally social and a, 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 a super loner at the same time, which is amazing. <laughs> if I asked you to make something sacred to you, what would you make? And sacred can be theistic. Uh, or it could be atheistic, you know, some people are, uh, this chair is sacred or the table is sacred, whatever. It is. I've thought about this question so hard and I literally have no clue what to make on something sacred to me. Well, what, when like, you're lying in bed at night thinking about your perfect shop, what are you making in that shop? <sighs> bathtubs, gorgeous, warm wooden bathtubs would be amazing. Why bathtubs? They're super sensory places. 
tactile. And if you do it right, they can have a scent and they can have a noise. Can like imagining a bathtub that has... This is out of wood, a wooden This bathtub. is a wooden bathtub. Yeah, but you've got a double walled wooden bathtub with rocks in between the walls and the outside wall is higher than the inside wall. So it's a bathtub that you can just keep the water running and you would just listen to the water, listen over the rocks. Like it would just be amazing. So you could have some really incredible sensory experiences in a perfect bathtub. Are you going to build yourself that bathtub? I've always wanted to. Are you going to? I hope so. I think it's my like this summer's job or next summer's job. Because I have um, outside my bedroom at my house, I have this fig tree. I'm, I'm building a deck off of my bedroom, off the sliding door, and I want a bathtub underneath my fig tree so that I have like two weeks a year where I can sit in a nice bath <laughs> and eat figs off my tree like a freaking goddess. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Doesn't it sound I don't so blame nice? You one bit. No, I, I bet that. Want, now that you mentioned it, I kind of want <laughs> you that. You can come too. over and use my tub anytime. Deal. Eat the figs, <laughs> eat in, the figs. The, in the tub. Yeah, I'll get you a grape leaf or something so it's all proper. <laughs> You only have three tools to use for woodworking for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. What are those three tools? Chainsaw, skill saw, and some chisels. Why uh, Why those three? Chainsaws you can do anything with. Mm -hmm. You got to cut the tree down to get it, to yeah. get the wood. So, And you can flatten the wood. You can you can cut a big, long, straight line. Well, straight-ish line. Chainsaws are just important. It's like the starting point. <laughs> Skill saws, because it can do anything a table saw can do, but you can do it from anything, anywhere, as long as you've got a straightish edge. Mm -hmm. And chisels, because you need to dig holes to attach things. So if you couldn't, if you didn't have a drill, or you didn't have a driver, or you didn't have a hand drill or anything like that, you could just do mortise and tenons with chisels. Sure. I yeah. About that. Yeah. I thought that question was... <laughs> you nailed Easy, it. yeah. You were talking about how you're a very tactile person. Mm -hmm. What sensory memory from the shop will stay with you the longest? Um, how freezing the upstairs classroom is. <laughs> Why is that the one? <laughs> well, I'm I'm right under the the vent in the back. It goes right. It's horrible. It goes right down my back. But it's nice when you go up at this time of the day. Yeah. Um. The there's the smell. The, um, the smell of what? Wood, generally. It's just I don't, I can't, don't have a specific one, but especially when you come in in the morning and you're like, oh, right, this smell. The the uh, dust collection when you turn it on mm -hmm. plays House of Pain. <laughs> just, a, just a little smidgen, and every time the first, when the dust collection comes on, it goes, <laughs> and I always have that song in my head for, for a jumping split around. second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Me too. Yeah. What? Do you think about Sandra and Beth? They're amazing. What's amazing about them? I, I've, I think I said earlier, mostly, always, surrounded by men, and these two women have like changed the way that I feel about how we create. And two amazing role models, empathetic, talented, not scary. Like I came in. It's funny because I know I know how to I know how to operate in a room full of men, but I don't know how to operate in a room full of women. I've just spent so much more time around men, and so when I first came out, I was intimidated to be around women who knew so much more than me. But it's been such a 
crazy, eye-opening, delightful, surprising, and wonderful experience Mm -hmm. how hard I fell into this. Why do you think before this you were so much so much much more comfortable or at least accustomed to be being in a space dominated by men brother dad's friends bars <laughs> pubs just men i've not i've not had it up all of my jobs not a, not any of them have revolved around a place that's women centric you think it makes a big difference it makes a huge difference. It's just, it's, I couldn't, I don't even know if I'd put it into any words. It's just a different feeling. Women do things exactly the same way as a lot of men. If you're talking about the actual physical task, but there's an air, it's just different around them. How do you think you'll feel the last time you're in the shop? It's going to be super sad. What are you going to be sad about? that I have to go back to reality and figure my life out and how to keep the feeling that I have ended up with here alive in what I do in Nanaimo or wherever it is that I end up. What's that feeling? Describe that feeling. Like just of of a really safe place to create. Any last thoughts, anything I didn't ask you about, anything you want to add in that's been on on the forefront of your mind that we just haven't touched upon? Kudos to Mike Randall yeah. for coming in halfway through the year <laughs> pretty much and just being like, there's a bunch of people here that are super like Sandra and I'm just going to go in and do what she tells me and do my very best. And I think Mike did a wonderful job and I really love what he does. All his bent work is amazing. Yeah, he did fantastic. And He's he a did, hell of an artist. Yeah, yeah, inspirational man. So yeah, kudos to him for coming in strong and teaching like a boss for his first time teaching. I think that's the only thing I can think of to say is that it's been a wonderful situation. And Nathan and... um. But who else has popped in? I think those are the main two. Those are the main two. But just humans that pop in here. There was the woman who taught us how to cut glass. That was pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. All these extra people that have just popped in at things. Well, and for Sandra, for knowing that she doesn't really need to teach these things because there's people who can teach them better than she can. And that's a that's a that's a gift in itself. So yeah, having having all these other people pop in and doing what they do and just like bosses is pretty incredible. What do you think you're going to do with these skills when you leave? I don't know, man. What do you want to do? I want my own place. Your own shop? Yeah, I want my own shop. I want my own shop and I want my own studio and I want to curate it for makers that need extra attention. So you want to teach? No. No, I want to show their work. I think that's a lovely idea. Yeah. I think that's all I got, Danielle. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joel.